The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Please turn with me, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 16 tonight. Uh, We are continuing in our series, it's called The Fruit of the Spirit, Uh, and we're taking nine weeks to examine the nine, you guessed it, Fruit of the Spirit, all right? The uh, title kind of gives it away. So thus far we've covered love, joy, and peace, uh, and those are available online if you need to catch up, and that means that this week is the one that I have simultaneously been looking forward to and dreading, and that is patience. Okay, Uh, I say that because I know that I need more of this fruit of the Spirit to be manifest in my own life. Uh, I also know that we need more of it among the people of God broadly. I know that I need the blade of God's Word to cut on me uh, regarding this subject, and I know that's going to hurt a little bit. But overall, I'm really thankful that God's Word has the power to conform us without condemning us, because that is a really beautiful truth right there, and I'm looking forward to that happening tonight. Amen. So is, is there anyone else in here? I just want to set the stage and make sure we're, we have a chance to be honest. Is there anyone else in here that anticipates a, at least a little bit of loving chastisement and conviction from our Father God on the subject of patience? Am I going to be alone today as the Word of God deals with my heart, or there's, okay, a couple of you, yes, amen, all right. Good. You guys have been simultaneously looking forward to and dreading uh, this week as well, I can see. Amen. God's going to help us, and it's going to be good. Praise the Lord. Um, just want to say real quick, if, if you don't have a Bible, we buy them by the case and always have tons. So if you need a Bible, we want to give you one for free, and we don't want anything from you. Just let us give you a Bible. We're, we're really just thrilled to do that. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you right now or an app to follow along, the scriptures that we're going to read tonight will be on the screens, Okay. So I'm going to read Galatians 5, 16 through 24. We have stayed in these verses uh, kind of as the launching pad uh, through the entirety of this series. We're going to keep doing that. And so hopefully these are well written upon the tablet of our heart by the time we're done. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, here we go. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Praise God for his word. Amen. Now, uh, there are two Greek words translated as patience in the New Testament. The first one is hupomene, or something like that. I'm not Greek, so if you are, forgive me. That's what it looks like, though. It refers to steadfastness in difficult circumstances. The second is macrothemia, which 
That's the one used here in Galatians 5.22, and it has two pieces to it. The first is makros and then thumos. Makros means long. Thumos means passion or temper. So patience in Galatians 5.22 literally means long temper. Uh, the KJV, King James Version, good old, translates, translates this word patience as long-suffering. It's a very good translation. So what that tells us is a patient person in this context is able to stand firm under the sometimes crushing weight of pain and suffering without quitting or complaining. Since this is a fruit of the Spirit, some of you already, your alarm bells went off. Hold on, that, that sounded hard. It is hard. <laughs> but since it's a fruit of the Spirit, we can only walk in macrothemia, that kind of patience, with the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is not something we're going to white-knuckle or do through self-discipline. This is a manifestation of the Spirit of God living in us, helping us to be able to walk this out. It's not something we're going to do in our own strength. We are completely incapable. Um, and, it, and as we spell some of this out, the hope is that we have the same effect tonight as we understand more of what patience is, we're being called to here by the grace of God is uh, that we'll be pressed on our knees in, in request to Jesus to help us in the same way the Bible says that the law was a tutor to show us our need for a Savior. Hopefully tonight we're going to understand how much we need God's help if we're going to uh, in any way reflect the patience of God. Okay? So this is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, I know it might seem to some of us like a foregone conclusion, but we really need to examine these ideas logically and make sure that we're, we're following uh, a path that makes sense here, and, and we're covering every place where someone might be launching from here, because not everyone comes to this subject, or any subject for that matter, from the same place of understanding. And so let's just, first of all, deal with this. If patience is a fruit of the Spirit, okay, and the Holy Spirit is the third co-equal, co-eternal, and co-powerful person of the Trinitarian Godhead, then we should see evidence from God's word that God is patient. Did you follow that? This is a fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about, which means this is a manifestation of the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit is God, and so we should see from the Scriptures evidence that God is patient. It is only if God is actually patient and willing to share this attribute with us by indwelling and empowering us with this Holy Spirit, that we can have any hope of being patient ourselves. And so it's important for us to go and to look, to think about, is God patient? The hope we have for being patient comes from him, not from us. The truth is, there are many who don't think God is patient. They see instances of his judgment and wrath and think he is short-tempered and quick to anger, or they have experiences in their own life where, based on the way they feel or thought that God was responding to them, they've decided that God is not patient. So the question we need to answer is, does God actually have macrothermia? Does he have a long temper or a long wick? Or does he have a short fuse and an itchy trigger finger? Is that characterization of God accurate? Where do we find out? Where do we look? Well, we have to go to God's word, because we could find opinions elsewhere, we could find input from other sources, uh, but it would be far inferior to what we're going to find from God's own word. We've got the history here of God's dealing with mankind. Let's see what we find. Now, first I'm going to give you uh, a, a lens with which to view this. I'm going to go to 2 Peter, uh, and I'm going to be in chapter 3. Let me read this to you, and we'll, we'll use that as a launch pad to decide and, and answer the question. Should we have any hope for patience in our own life 
because first of all, is, is God patient? Uh, is he going to be able to share that, <laughs> that good attribute with us? I'm in 2 Peter. Here we go. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. Here we see twice Peter talking about the fact that God is extremely patient, but he's also showing us that his patience has an expiration date. And he's told us that. Part of what that shows us is that God's wrath, when poured out, this is never the, the uncalculated uh, actions of a rageaholic. This isn't that God just lost his temper. God knows the day. There is a day where judgment and wrath will be poured out against sin, where all of his enemies will be made. Hebrews says Jesus will make them his footstool. And so that is coming. But twice here, in, in, inside of that idea that the day is coming when uh, everything's going to burn, this, this, this is going to get wrapped up, judgment is coming, there's this idea of God's patience. And, and really what Peter's talking about, if you go before the verses I just read you, he's, he's saying, listen, in the last days there's going to be mockers. There's going to be people that start running their mouth saying, hey, where is God? Seems like everything's just business as usual. Everything's just cruising along like it always has. And that's why he starts... <laughs> out here in verse 8, he says, don't let this one fact escape your notice. God's not slow. He's patient, and he's working a plan. Peter saw God as patient. Here's what we need to understand through this. We, as humans, we have our patience tested daily by the effects of sin in the world. The brokenness of the world and the brokenness of people means there are points of tension ranging from minor inconveniences to monumental offenses. This is a fairly consistent reality for us in a sin-filled, broken world. Now, knowing how much each of us struggle to walk in patience, and I'm not just assuming that, right? I think we already kind of took a poll. We all acknowledge that because of the brokenness of this world, our own sin, the sins of others, we, our Patience is tested. Daily is probably generous, right? Hourly may be more accurate if we make it that far. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so, but knowing, knowing how much each of us struggle to walk in patience, friends, how much more patient does God have to be that we even exist at this point? Okay, think about this. 
we have all these points of tension. It's, it's situations that come onto our radar. It's other people in their sin. It's our own sin bumping in to, against theirs. It's just the brokenness of the world. It's the inconveniences. It's the monumental offenses. It's all the things that test our patience, right? It's traffic and lines and other stuff, right? It's all these things. Lines are definitely a result of brokenness of sin. There, there was no lines in the garden. None. And there won't be in the new heavens and new earth. Where's your verse? This might be the only time I'm ever going to say this to you. I'm not giving you a verse for that one. I'm just telling you right now. Believe me, man. There's no way there's lines in heaven. I'm not. No. There probably will be. Just teach me one last lesson when I get there, I'm sure. Just because God loves me that much, right? Amen. You see what I'm saying, though? We, we, our, our patience is tried. God is aware of everything that annoys you, everything that tries your patience, and everything that tries everyone else's patience, and all of the reality of the brokenness of the world. How much does his patience have to be tried? How patient must he be that we have not been obliterated at this point? You see what I'm talking about? I'm making a case here for God's patience because your patience, the hope that you have to walk in it, is, good, is hung on whether or not he really is. So we need to know whether or not God is patient. I say he is. If God wasn't infinitely, and I mean to use that word, more patient than we could ever hope to be, the Bible would have ended at Genesis 3, and so would everything else. Wouldn't it? Instead of him doling out the uh, consequences to the serpent along with this glimmer of hope already in this first gospel where he says that the serpent is going to bite the heel of the seed of woman, but that the seed of woman is going to crush his head. Where he's, already, he's already kind of telegraphing the fact that Jesus is going to come. God's already sowing hope into the situation. If God wasn't, I mean, <clears throat> have you guys seen that movie Inside Out? It's, it's cute. It's for kids. It's a cartoon, and there's the d little girl's different emotions. There's the, there's the one guy that's red, right? And, and when something goes wrong, he walks up to the console, and he like grabs the controls and just and his head's on fire, like that's, that's me sometimes, A, but that's not the point. B, that's, that is what we should have got. There should have been an unmitigated burst of holy flame and just consumed everything when we turned our back on a holy, perfect God that gave us everything we ever needed for godliness and contentment and beauty and joy in the garden in perfect relationship with him, and we chose instead to rebel. If God was not infinitely patient then we, more than we could ever hope to be, the Bible and all things would have stopped at Genesis 3. And then, yes, technically, those of you that are literalists, then there would have been no Bible because there would be no need for it. Thank you for that, okay? There'd be nothing, right? <laughs> you guys don't think I have to do that. There are, there are, there are some, okay, up in here. Sometimes I just got to re reel them back in because they'll be like, well, actually, what would have happened if, okay. You don't have to believe me. I, listen, all right. Hallelujah. <laughs> there are multiple examples of God's wrath and judgment being unleashed, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, not, not exclusively, but particularly. It, it's, it is always, when that happens, it is always disciplined for the sake of correction and for their good. And, and so you could, real quick, if you're thinking about it, you might say, well, what about Sodom and Gomorrah? How was that for their good? How was that discipline and, and correction? And I would say back to you real quick, I would say, 
that, okay, fine, but how was God not patient in that instance, right? Lot couldn't find 10 people in two cities that weren't utterly wicked and corrupt. How is that not God being patient? And, and here, here's a rock-solid truth that a bunch of you may not like, but it doesn't matter because it's still true, okay? Here it is. If someone or a group of people is only ever going to be more and more wicked and cause more and more damage to themselves and others, and because God's foreknowledge is perfect, he knows that, it is right and merciful for him to take them out. Woo! I got one sister. Praise God. One sister here knows how to say amen. The rest of you might have been thinking about it, but just I want you to think about it, and I want you to decide. Does God have the right in his perfect foreknowledge to decide if somebody's only ever going to cause pain for themselves and others for the rest of their life, that it is merciful and good and right and merciful? You said that twice. I know. <laughs> merciful to take them out. It is. Not only to that person, but to everyone else they were going to ravage and bring destruction upon that's what the flood was about. That's what you see happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. Absolutely. Still, God was patient. God let Noah build the ark, preach for some, say, 120 years that judgment's coming. Nobody turned. And all that time, as people were heckling the one guy that was listening to God, God's, God's wrath was restrained. He was patient. He didn't at any point just say, okay, you know what? I mean... <laughs> I want to get there. I'm not there, okay? Uh, and I'm getting closer to there, but I'm just saying right now, there's some times in my life where uh, I, I got to the point of like, it was like flood time or like Sodom and Gomorrah time, but it wasn't calculated and it wasn't holy, okay? I guess I'm the only one in here that's, that's you know, <laughs> in my anger, I did sin, right? That type of thing. All right, that's all right. I can be alone up here. I don't need y'all. <clears throat> I'll, be, I'll tell the truth. You guys can be holy and righteous and just angelic out there if you want to, all right? All right, so if we back it up to Genesis 3 again, real quick, we realize if God wasn't indescribably, these are very intentional words, indescribably, immeasurably, and amazingly patient, there would have been no flood and there would have been no Sodom and Gomorrah because he would have torched the whole earth. In Genesis 3, gone. God is patient. Now, that's important because we're relying on God's patience to fuel our patience, right? That's why we took all that time to make that point. God is patient, and it is upon his patience we hang our hope to walk in it. Now, let's start unpacking what it looks like for us to walk in the patience of God. Patience has two major manifestations we need to discuss, okay? You can see it kind of as a fork in the road, uh, but still connected. The first is patience toward God. Now, technically, if all things were as they should be, this should not even exist, uh, a need for patience towards God, but the reality is it, it does. We, because of our fallen nature, we have to walk in patience toward God. We need to check ourselves in terms of how we think. So there, there are two ditches we tend to fall into when things in life aren't going the way we hoped they would or think they should. We hoped they would or think they should, 
And the gospel keeps us out of both of these ditches, okay? Here's the two ditches. One, what, what are we talking? We're talking about how we navigate the reality of life not going the way we hoped it would or we think it should. Has that ever happened to anybody in here? Life went away you hoped it wouldn't or thought it shouldn't. Yes? Good. Three people. All right. The rest of you have had a perfect life. You mapped it out at five years old and every turn was exactly where you thought it was going. That's good. Wow. I am hanging with all stars. That's nice. Okay. Uh, one of you can teach next week because that's not true for me. Amen. Okay. So I think we all have. Things have happened that we hoped wouldn't or we thought shouldn't. Uh, here's what happens. We either minimize or ignore that reality through coping mechanisms. That's one ditch. Or the other ditch is that we get spun up into sinful anger or anxiety. These are the two responses we can have to the reality that life isn't going the way we think it should or not in the right time frame we think it should. Um, slower than we would uh, appreciate would be most most common iteration of that. Okay, so here's, so you understand what that means. First is minimizing or ignoring through coping mechanisms. So my life is busted, my life is broken, things aren't going the way I think they should, as quick as they should, whatever. What does ignoring through coping mechanisms mean? Well, that means I'm going to distract myself somehow from the reality that I am discontented or that I am broken over the fact that my life's not going the way I think it should. So what do those look? What do coping mechanisms look like? Well, there is, I could sit here for the, the, all the rest of the sermon plus some describing different ways that people do this, that they distract themselves and numb themselves from the reality of the fact that they are discontent with their life. So, I mean, it's, uh, substances are sometimes a great way to try to escape I mean, a great bad way, like a great way if you want to roll with Satan type thing. Get that? Right. So substances, um, they can go distract themselves with a relationship, uh, a fairly new phenomenon. And I mean, in terms of the long timeline of history, we have media of various sorts and kinds that we can just consume to the point where we are absolutely uh, just inundated with so much junk, uh, whether it be social media, whether it be TV, whatever it is. Uh, we don't have to think about the reality of our life. We can escape into alternate realities. Um, sometimes uh, people, you know, it's, it's relationships. They'll chase some relationship, and that's, that's the thing that's going to distract them from the reality that their life is busted or not the way they hope it is. Those are all coping mechanisms. That's one ditch that people get into. The other side is that they don't do that. They just keep staring at the reality that uh, they are uh, uh, discontented and unhappy with the reality of where life's at, and they just get spooled up, and they get angrier, and they get more anxious, and they get more angry, and then they explode, and they just do something wild. And so sometimes that looks like uh, just bailing out altogether. Nobody knows what happened. They just, they went and did total big life course correction. You know, sometimes people will call it a midlife crisis. Uh, they just kind of bail on responsibilities, bail on commitments, all of that. They're gone. Uh, sometimes it, it looks less drastic than that, but no less uh, destructive in terms of uh, how many people get hurt by it. And so those are kind of the two ditches that people get into. The gospel allows us to, instead of taking one of those routes, it allows us to admit our disappointments or the things that we think should be different, without freaking out or giving up hope. The gospel allows us to do that. And the question is, how? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. Here's the reality. For thousands of years, 
God was patiently unfolding the plan of redemption. And along the way, it seemed like more was going wrong than right. Okay? There are things in your life right now that you are discontented about. There are things in your life right now that you think wish was happening different, you think should or would or could or... Everybody's got that to some degree, okay? Look at the arc of what the gospel teaches. I don't mean the gospel in terms of like 1 Corinthians 15, like the condensed version. I'm talking about the gospel, like the redemptive arc of history starting in Genesis. Look at the gospel. Look at what it shows us. For thousands of years, God's patiently unfolding this plan, but it really seemed like more was going wrong than right. What do I mean when I say that? Well, uh, how many chapters deep are we before... Adam and Eve are listening to a talking snake and eating the one fruit God said not to. How deep did we get before it hit the fan? Not deep enough, right? And then it's not very long like after that that Cain's killing Abel. And then it's not very long after that that we got to flood the earth because every, the intent of everybody's thoughts is wicked and we're all killing each other and bloodshed's to the point where God's grieved that he created humanity. We're only at, we're only at like six chapters deep now, right? <laughs> So then we're rebelling at the Tower of Babel, and then we get to Abraham, and he's a liar and not doing the right thing half the time. And then he kind of believes God's promise, but then he starts to not be sure and listens to his wife and ends up sleeping with Hagar. And then we got Ishmael, and we got issues, and we got Isaac, and we got, you know, all his stuff, and and he's a liar too, right? And then we got... uh, Jacob, and we got Joseph, who's cocky, and his brothers try to kill him, but second guess, then they just sell him into slavery. That's a lot better. You know, we got, <laughs> woohoo, right? <laughs> well, we, we, we survived by the skin of our teeth in, in Egypt, but then, you know, well, then the next Pharaoh doesn't like, and then we're, everyone's dying, and we're killing all the firstborn, but here comes Moses. Okay, that'll be good. Nope, he murders somebody. So we got to send him out to the wilderness for 40 years. You see what I'm saying? Just follow the story. You don't get too many chapters where it's like everything's hunky-dory and everything. <laughs> there's a lot of sin and a lot of brokenness. Just, I mean, keep on going, right? The, we don't believe the Lord's report about going into the promised land. So guess what? That's 40 years for everyone in the wilderness. Yay! We got to bite them with snakes out there and stuff. You're like, whoo, I haven't read that part. I'm, that's a weird part, too. I don't know. But all this stuff happens, man. It seems like more is going wrong than is going right. It's jacked up. You get to the time of the judges. Man, the whole book of Judges is about Israel just losing their mind. And then we're in this cycle over and over again of, yes, God, we're going to serve you. And he gives them just a little bit of comfort, like a little bit of wiggle room to not be in desperate need of him in order to like just survive. And as soon as they get a little inch, man, they try to take a mile. And then, then he's got to send them into exile, right? Because how else are we going to wake them up? And this, what am I saying? I'm talking about how patient God was, right? Because look, this is a long time span. God had to deal with all of this. And that's just the parts that we're told about in the scriptures, man. God has been exceedingly patient. And if we look at the reality of of how many things seem to be going wrong in God's story, it, it, it should help you to be able to realize, listen, I can acknowledge the fact that there's busted stuff in my story, but that doesn't mean the whole thing's junk. That doesn't mean God has forgot. That doesn't mean he's not going to be faithful. That doesn't mean he's not being patient with me right now as I figure my stuff out, right? The gospel allows you to not have to hide and ignore and coping mechanism your way out of it 
or just freak out and fly off the handle. You can take the middle road of saying, yes, there's things I wish were different. Some of that's my fault. Some of it's maybe someone else's fault. Doesn't really matter. It is what it is. I can acknowledge that. I'm not ignoring it, but it doesn't mean I have to take it all the way over here into hopelessness where I just spin out of control in anger and anxiety. I can trust that God is going to be faithful and I can be patient like he has been. Amen. God has been patient through the process. I mean, I, I, I named you kind of a bunch of stuff in the Old Testament arc. I mean, right up to, right up to Jesus being crucified, but it, it didn't seem like things were going right, or to, especially from our perspective, from the disciples' perspective. Like, yay, Jesus is here. He's the guy. He's the one that we thought, the Messiah that's going to come and and tear Rome a new one. Yes, we finally got our military Messiah leader. Oh. Oh, they killed him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now what, right? So things, there's just all these examples where from our limited viewpoint, things weren't going like we thought they should. God was patient through all of that. Patient, patient with our lack of belief and our foolishness, all of it. God was patient. He didn't deny the issues. He didn't rage out and incinerate the whole earth like we deserved. You know, like, even if we got every, we got all the way up to like David, right? And, and, but, and, and the David, I think the David and Bathsheba thing, that might have been the last straw for me. Like, if I was God, maybe I would have made it that far. But it's like, I made you king. I let you beat a giant. That's it. We're done. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just so glad God's more patient than me. Oh, man, I'm glad he's willing to draw me along and help me and keep working on me. Thinking about and rehearsing the gospel in our hearts and minds, soaking ourselves in gospel truth like a sponge in water, this will help us to have the trust and faith needed to walk in patience towards God. He's been patient towards us. We need to be patient towards him. Um, we, can't, we don't have to deny reality, but we also can't get angry at God and feel like he has somehow failed in his promises, and, and go haywire. Uh, we got to take that, that gospel middle. Uh, and, and the reality is, friends, it's, it's not just a matter of, of out of discipline and even right thinking and keeping these things centered in our understanding. It, it, we have to understand that that process of patience, that that is potentially need, a needed part of how God is accomplishing his will, right? We know the Bible says that God is conforming us into the image of his son, right? That's Romans 8. We, we say that a lot around here because it's a big deal. It's a big part of what we believe God is doing. He's conforming us into his image. But that word is very interesting. I think we maybe say it a lot, but don't think about what it means. God, in this process of us walking through a life that is imperfect, and there's so many chances for us to be impatient, he is conforming us. But that word doesn't make it sound easy, right? In Jeremiah 18 and in other places, God calls himself a potter. And um, I remembered, I was been thinking about patience this week, and I, I remembered this when I saw my kids playing with Play-Doh, and I, I brought some. <clears throat> I've got this little piece of Play-Doh here, and right now it's just, it's just kind of a jacked up blob of, you know, whatever, whatever shape that is. It's a nothing, uh, just an ugly, you know, you'd throw it away. It looks like a, a jacked up, jaggedy rock mixed with, you know, 
moldy dough or something. I don't know. But uh, that's what it is. It's nothing right now. And I, I was watching the kids play with it, and I was thinking about what God's doing with us in terms of patience. And he's, he's conforming us into his image. Conforming. He's conforming. Think about that word. It's not, it's not a passive thing. It's not that, well, if it just, it just kind of happens on its own with time. No, conforming takes, you got, you got to take this thing that, that is, is jacked, and this is us, man. You got to take this thing that's really nothing without God picking it up, but he has to pick it up. And if you're going to conform something, you have to do something with it. You have to put pressure on it, right? You got you to press it. And that's part of what's happening. When you have these opportunities to be patient, you have these opportunities to trust God and to know that he's working something, when you're in that and you're doing that and you stay on that potter's wheel, you're giving God the opportunity to shape you into something, to do something with you. And the most tragic thing, the thing that it hurts to watch and, it's, it's, man, it hurts to be a part of is when you, you jump off that wheel and you don't let him finish that process. You're not willing to be patient. But here's what I'm saying. Here's what we need to understand. If, if you're the Play-Doh in this situation, you see what I'm doing to it, man? I'm pressing. This Play-Doh's not having a good day right now. I'm putting some torque on this stuff, okay? So this hurts. There's pressure. There's conforming happening. There's change. And that's tough. That's difficult, okay? But when the thing is, if we stay in there, if we stay in there, in the end, that thing that was just a, a little blob, a little jaggedy rock, it'll, it'll have a shape. It'll be something. It'll be something. Now, I don't know, I don't know if what you thought was going to happen is I was going to have like a bust of Jesus in my hands or something. This is a snake. And this is all I can make out of Play-Doh, okay? So I'm a preacher, not an artist. But it is different than when I started, is it not? Let me hear you say amen. Amen. Okay. That's a Play-Doh snake. Here you go, man. Give that to Jackson, all right? I know it would have been cooler if it was Jesus' face when I was done, okay? But we don't even know what he looks like, so that would be sacrilegious anyways. Here's my point, though. Are you, are you with me in understanding what I'm talking about? When you choose patience and you choose to trust God and you choose to understand he's, he's working, he's conforming, he's working on you, that something beautiful happens. That's where that shaping comes. It's for your good. When you get impatient, you decide to bail, and you know better than God. It's when we get in trouble. It's when we lose beauty. It's tragic. When you bail in the middle of the process, it's always cataclysmic. Don't do that. Hang in there. It hurts, and, and it's uncomfortable, but it's, it's good for us. That's patience with God. The next, I told you there's kind of two manifestations we're going to talk about. It's patience with God. The next is patience towards people. And uh, the reality is we have the same two ditches when it comes to this. We can minimize or ignore through coping mechanisms the reality that people cause potentialities for us to be impatient, to be offended, to be inconvenienced. We can try to <clears throat> just ignore that uh, and, and distract ourselves with some other trinket uh, whatever that is, I went through that before. Or with people, we can do the same thing. If we can get spun up into sinful anger and anxiety, those are those are the two ditches. They're the same. And uh, I, I think I've made the case for this, and I, I truly believe that God is the most patient, the most patient. But I also I, I just want to say that I think a close second 
to God in the most patience category is all people who work in food service. I commend you. You are the real MVPs. This one's for you, okay? Because that's a tough way to go. And, and, and I'm, I was vibrantly convinced of this if I had forgotten recently. I was in the line at Chipotle getting myself a keto-approved salad. It's really delicious. And uh, yeah, the keto kid, there you go. Um, so I'm in line, and there is, there is this person in front of me. And she is older, and I don't know, okay? I don't know. But she starts ordering, and just the way she's talking to the people, like, like they're just so stupid that they can't put the ingredients on right. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I want, you know, I want cheese. I got a little more cheese. No, no, no. Can I get a little more cheese? Okay, now, now let's go back to the other side. Let's do this over here. And she's like, okay, and then I want, I want a cup of this and that. And she wants like a cup of everything on the side. There's a line behind us. And I can just, I'm watching this kid. I don't know. His, I didn't, he didn't have a name tag. It was like probably Chad or Cody. I don't know. He looked like a Chad or a Cody. But this, so this dude, and oh man, he didn't just dunk the bowl on her over the glass, which is what she deserved, man. And so I just, I just, I salute all of you in food service. I thank you. I thank you. Because all of us should have spit in everything we're eating, honestly. It's terrible. Um, I didn't even tell you everything. And she gets to the end and starts like bagging her own stuff, acting all huffy, like, like it's taking too long or whatever. Like, lady, you're the reason it took so long. You made this man put every ingredient in a little cup. And then, and then he's like filling the thing with sour cream. And she goes, no, fill that all the way up. I'm like, oh, that's it. Oh, man. I'm going I'm to do something to her. Lady, come on. Woo. Mm. All right. We're talking about patience towards people. Does anyone want to wager a guess at what helps us avoid those same ditches when it comes to patience with people? Anybody want to take a guess? It's the gospel. It's the gospel again. It's the gospel, but it's applied in a slightly different way. I'm telling you that the gospel being soaked and, and rehearsing over and over again the truth of the gospel, it's going to help us stay patient towards God as we should. I said that that one shouldn't even be an issue. If all things were as they should be, there should be no need for us to walk in patience towards God. He is perfect and holy, and all that he does is right. However, if we are honest, we are sometimes tempted to be impatient with him. Is that right or wrong? It's right. So we need to be honest about it. We need to deal with it. We need to apply the gospel to our hearts to bring that in line with what it should be. We also need to have patience with people. The gospel will help us. We just need to apply it in a slightly different way than we talked about with God. Okay, this is 1 Timothy 1.12. This is Paul writing. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. I don't need this verse to make the point, but I'm going to read it because it's good. 
Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What's, what, why did I come here? Paul says, it's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Rehearsing and remembering how patient God has been with you, has been with you, and is being with you, is the key to patience with other people. How can you be impatient with people unless you, A, forget how patient God is with you, or B, you are a narcissistic maniac? Well, that seems drastic. I'm real serious. Either A, you've forgotten how, that, and that happens to us, we are amnesiacs, gospel amnesiacs, we forget how patient God's been with us. It's either that, or you need serious help. That's the only way you can be impatient with somebody else. What? Well, that seems kind of narrow. It's narrow, but it's true. Some true things are narrow. <laughs> Get used to it, Okay. There is, no, there is no easier way to say that, man. We deserve God's full, unveiled wrath in what we've gotten is mercy and patience instead. How then can we turn? It's, I, I referenced the, the, the uh, parable of the wicked servant maybe more than I should. It's just Jesus is so good at examples, I just can't think of a better one, right? It's like, how can you go choke another guy for 10 bucks when you've been forgiven of a lifetime's worth of salary? How do you do that? You have to be jacked up or forgotten that you were forgiven of that amount. Either way, repentance is needed. Either way, it can't just be left as if that's okay. Either way, it can't just be accepted as, well, I'm, I'm working on it. No, it needs to be repented of. And we need to plead with God to help us to walk in the patience that he has walked in towards us. All of us need help with this. This is a good part. This is a place for me to talk to some of you that, that, that feel you, you struggle and you have this idea that you're not sure you have a testimony. Because I know some of you, I mean, you, you were born into Christian homes. Your onesie, you know, said number one Jesus fan or whatever and it's just always been that way, okay? And so you're, you're like, I never, you know, I never did this or that. I never, and you have these examples of things other people have done that you think means they have a more vibrant testimony because they went and did things that were more outwardly, obviously despicable. And what, here's the thing, like if you, listen, I love you, but if that's, if that's where your mentality's been at, it's gonna, you're gonna struggle then to realize how patient God has been with you, but more importantly, how patient God is being with you because if you actually think you don't have much of a testimony because you didn't do a bunch of that outward bad stuff that other people have done, dear friend, you are in way more trouble than the people were when they were out in the gutter doing whatever they were doing. If you think you're okay because you didn't do all that bad stuff, you're in worse trouble than anybody. I said I love you, right, at the beginning, before I said that? I just want to make sure I got that in there. I do, and that's why I'm telling you that. Because none of us are perfect, no, not one. 
we, we may have been really good at restraining ourselves and maybe God has been gracious as well and we have not shipwrecked our life with a bunch of external sins, but every one of us has sinned in thought and in word and in deed. Our hearts are idle factories. Every one of us is in desperate need of the grace of God and God is being patient with me right now. All the time, God's patience is towards me because if it wasn't, I would be a black spot on the ground. What? Incinerated is what I mean. (sighs) Gone. That's what I deserve at any given moment. God's patience, and that's what you deserve at any given moment. And so sometimes sometimes what contemplating, soaking ourselves in the whole gospel is, is acknowledging how God's patience has been towards us, how many times we have rebelled. Not to... And this is where a distinction happens, because some of you are more prone to self, self-deprivation, some of you are more prone to self-glorification, and we need to understand that that's true. Some of you have a tendency to hate yourself, that's the way sin manifests for you. Some of you, you have a tendency to really love yourself a little too much, and think a little too highly of yourself. Either way, you're thinking about yourself too much, but that's not the point. We need to, there is an actual distinction in the way this is going to work out but it does help everybody. So if you're, if you're a self-deprivation person, if when you start to believe the lies of the enemy uh, or you just let your thoughts go unchecked, not filtered through the word of God, you start to hate yourself, you start to really be down on yourself, your internal monologue is that you're useless, you're busted, you're no good, nobody cares, nobody loves you, nobody wants you. If it's, if it's this kind of language, here's, here's how this idea of God's patience and him being a patient potter can help you. You can acknowledge, you don't, have to, you don't have to go drink till you quit hearing that internal monologue. You don't have to go find somebody to have sex with so that you don't hear that internal monologue. You don't have to do that. You can stare right in the face of the reality that, yes, you are a jacked up piece of clay. But here's what you also, because of the gospel, can know. The potter won't put me down. And because he sees the value and beauty of what he's making me into, See, so that internal monologue can shut up because God has already spoken by the fact that he's picked you up and he's molding you and he's making you and he has said he won't put you down. That speaks louder, more vibrantly, and with more authority than the lies of the enemy or the the stuff your own mind makes up. So if your tendency is towards self-deprivation, the patience of God towards you should be able to quiet those lies. If your tendency is towards self-glorification, you don't run your thoughts through the grid of God's word, you tend to think you're pretty great. You tend to think you're fairly awesome and maybe not even in need of God's grace. Whatever that looks like, uh, it it manifests itself in various ways. If that's you, and and not every person, it's constant all the time. You may may in one season have one and one the other, but the, the gospel handles all of it. The patience of God handles all of it. If, if, if you're tempted towards self-glorification, here's what you need to know. I'm only worth anything because the potter picked me up and is committed to shaping me into something beautiful. You're somebody that gets down on yourself, believes the lies of the enemy. You need to understand, dear friend, God has picked you up. He's molding you and shaping you, and he's not putting you down because he sees what you don't even see. He sees the beauty and value of what he's making you into, a treasure for his own possession. If you're somebody that thinks you're, you're, you know, sliced bread, you're giving it a run for its money on how cool it is. 
you need to understand the only reason you have any value, yes, you, you are a treasure, but it's because God picked you up. If it wasn't the case, you'd be that jacked up piece of clay, inanimate, good for nothing. The gospel heals all of these wounds. It, it quiets all of these lies. The patience of God speaks to the person who is thinking less of themselves than God would want them to and the person thinking more of themselves than they ought. Faith-filled remembrance of the truth of the gospel, thinking it and drinking it, eating it and breathing it, is the key that unlocks the cell of being short-tempered with God or with people. The gospel, the patience of God, is our hope. In light of these things, may we be a patient people, reflecting the immeasurable and beautiful patience of our God for our good and his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that you are patient and you are willing to share your patience with us. Thank you that you have dwelt in us by your spirit and that you are shaping and conforming us, molding us into your image. God, we admit that oftentimes that pressure hurts. It is unpleasant. But God, help us to have the strength and faith not to bail on the process. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for your patience throughout history. That God, there's so many times where we as humanity, we have deserved nothing but the fire of your wrath. And yet, you have stayed your hand because you have a vision in your heart of us and you forever. Thank you, Lord, that the gospel, it shows us vibrantly how patient you are, how beautiful your patience is, and the potential that we have to walk in it. God, help us to be patient towards you. Lord, we acknowledge that sometimes we, in our foolishness, think we know better than you do. We think we, our timeline is laid out better than yours. God, may we humbly defer to your patience and your perfection, understanding that oftentimes we don't see even half of what you see. You are king and you are God and we are not and we are thankful for that beautiful truth. God, help us to be patient, trusting that you're working in the process. Lord God, help us to be patient with people. Lord, remind us, without crushing us, God, remind us how patient you have been with us and how patient you are being with us, that every day we are only sustained by your patience and grace. God, let that, let that patience we've received be reflected to others. God, may it be something that draws them to you. May your loving kindness come through in our patience towards people. May the degree to which we walk in patience, may it be so unnatural, God, that it catches the attention of the unbeliever, that it gives us an opportunity to share with them how it is we walk in that kind of beautiful patience. It's not us, God. We are not capable. We have proven it in and of ourselves. We need your strength and your help. Thank you. You have been patient toward us. Help us to be patient as well. We want all of this, God, for the good of your people and for the glory of your name. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give, 
or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.